1: You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the game changers, you're definitely in the right place. Okay, the buzz today, build or buy. What in the world is Bonnie talking about? Let me tell you, what is trending in your company? We're talking about HR, we're talking about HCM. Are you investing in your current employees' training? Are you promoting them up the ladder? Are you their cheerleader, their rah-rah, their fan, their supporter and saying, yes, you can do it, we're investing in you and you're part of the company's future? Sounds great. Or, or, are you bypassing them and saying, ah, let's look outside. Let's bring in a superstar, somebody who's proven themselves in someone else's company. They're already trained, they're savvy, they might bring a fresh POV point of view. Maybe our money and time are better spent bringing in a rock star from outside. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the reality is here. Wharton's Matthew Bidwell found in some studies that external hires are paid 18% more on average than internal hires or promotions, but the external hires receive significantly lower performance reviews in their first two years. That's a long time to be getting a not good review. And they're more likely to get fired or laid off than your internally promoted staff. Hmm, there's a balancing act in there. And I have a quote I'd like to add to this intro. Laura L. Stiegel at SAP says, there's a dirty little secret in a lot of businesses. And the dirty little secret is, it's not that they really want to hire externally. They just haven't taken the time to know their own internal employees well enough to promote them with confidence from within. Ooh, we have exposed the secret. So what's up with all of this? A lot of pieces to this puzzle. I have a panel of three experts, including Laura Stegall. We're going to hear from them, and let's get started with our first guest. She's a returning panelist on SAP Radio. It's Dr. Catherine Jones, who is a vice president at Burson by Deloitte. And Catherine sent me the following quote from Bill Gates. Listen up. Success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. Wow. Wow, that doesn't pull any punches dr katherine jones how are you i'm just fine bonnie thank you for joining me long time no see we're delighted to have you back so bill gates quote tell me how you pick this and and relate it to our topic please and our topic of course is are you promoting from within or hiring outside superstars go ahead katherine absolutely and let's think about If success is a lousy teacher, what
2: makes a good teacher? You know, I think it has to do with letting people fail. And then what happens when we look at Laura's excellent quote about uh, that dirty little secret? Well, if failing is is something that we want to let people have the chance of doing, and then we don't promote them because they failed, it's a real conundrum when we look at how we're training or producing our talent today. Maybe it's no wonder people look at them as
0: the profit in their own land and then go outside. Catherine, I have a question. Isn't it part of a lot of hiring processes today, and you certainly have observed this a lot through your work, your extensive work at Burson by Deloitte, isn't it part of the hiring process or the mantra uh, there are, opportunities for growth in our company. Isn't that something that people are saying with the hope of beating the new trend that employees don't really stick around that long? There's no longer the company man, the company woman. Catherine, you may remember Tennessee Ernie Ford, 16 tons So what do you get another day older and deeper in debt? He's mm-hmm. been with, the, well, of course, he was a minor, but the the, guy, the idea was you stayed with the company forever. Not even close today. So are companies supposed to promise their new employees there's room for growth here? We will give you attract to a higher position and how does that how does that get justified when they're really looking outside for rock stars what do you see
2: well you're right a recruiter will always tell you that there is opportunity you know there's still gold in them thar hills but (laughs) when we really look at how people can advance through the organization to the very highest levels it can either take what seems like forever in a day and some people don't hang around for that and when we look at the young people today of course they're looking for career growth or they start out their first job saying well where can i go in this organization and if we say oh you can go anywhere and we don't give any learning and development for them to get there we've going to we're going to lose them and you're right there is an absolute bifurcation in the way we look at our promises to new employees and then the reality of um
0: actually having a path that they can go through. Thank you, Catherine. I wanted to get some more truth points on the table here since we're talking about secrets, and that one needs to be exposed as well. Let me bring on our second panelist, also a returning guest here on SAP Radio. It's Raluca Druda. She's the HCM analyst at Tech, TEC, our friends up there. And uh, Raluca quoted Oscar Wilde from The Disciple, which is a poem in prose, and allow me to read this. I'll try to be very poetic, Raluca. The quote is, But I loved Narcissus because... As he lay on my banks and looked down on me, in the mirror of his eyes I saw ever my own beauty mirrored. Ah, I like that, Reluca. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining me. Beautiful thank quote. You. Why don't you relate that to our topic, promoting inside, promoting outside, hiring. What are we doing here?
3: Sure. So uh, the quote is related to... Uh, uh some of my uh, personal observations um, people tend to hire or promote other uh individuals that uh resemble them and that happens because um normally maybe all of us or most of us uh we like to be surrounded by by people that uh make us feel uh, uh at ease um, and um how can we achieve that if, if um, not by uh, finding these almost, uh, let's say, perfect human mirrors that um, that echo us? Um, so um, I I say and I I think that uh, coming out of, of uh, our comfort zones um, may take some some thought and effort and perhaps. Uh, um, some education because I I feel that perhaps through a learning process, um, we can come to understand uh, the discomfort that um, others uh, may awaken us. And uh, we may see that discomfort as a source of growth and development, um, especially if we are to build a a working world that uh, promotes diversity.
0: Thank you, Raluca. I I have a question. I want to relate that to our topic and some of the points Dr. Catherine Jones already brought up. And my question is, if you hire people who are not like you, in quotes, like you, similar to you, give you a nice, warm or some kind of a comfort level that there are similar trends, similar personality traits, similar work styles – is the company more likely to then look outside to bring in other talent that might be more like them if they didn't succeed with the batch of existing or most recent hires? Any thoughts on that before we go to Laura?
3: Um, actually, I, I think that there is a lot within each company. Uh, so, yes, um, the, the dirty little secret is, uh, is that um, in, in the end you can find – um, diversity within a company, and you should promote that diversity, and you should um, make sure that, it, that, that that these voices are not stifled sometimes uh, perhaps people that that uh, that make others feel uncomfortable are, are a little bit marginalized and so instead of doing that um, the the way to go is is perhaps to push these people and uh promote them more.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Raluca, and welcome back again. Glad to have you on the panel. And let's bring in Laura L. Stiegel, who I quoted in the opening. That was a surprise, Laura, having you added to the monologue. Laura is a customer value consultant at SAP. And Laura sent me a real quote for our opening from David Ogden Steers. Those of you scratching your heads, he's an American actor, director, vocal actor, musician, and he was Major Charles Emerson Winchester III on TV's MASH, as well as a lot of other TV and movie credits. Here's the quote. We lament the speed of our society and the lack of depth and the nature of disposable information. Well, that's a lot of meat on the bones. Laura Steagle, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you, Bonnie? Fine. Thanks for joining us. So, talk to me about this quote. Interesting selection for our topic today promote from within or Higher external superstars. Go ahead, Laura. Well, you know, today we are
4: living in an amazing time. You know, everything is done exponentially faster than it was a year or two ago, let alone a decade or two ago. And expediency is king. Um, as a fun fact, uh, this spring will actually be the first university class that is graduating uh, that is younger than the commercial Internet itself. We have grown up, and, and the incoming workforce has a perceived birthright of uh, always having information right at our fingertips and having uh, what we need almost on an immediate basis. And we can start to see how this is influencing how organizations look at talent. I've heard plenty of managers tell me that they're looking for plug-and-play hires, people who have the right skills and experience when they walk through the door and are ready to jump in to work on day one. Uh, they normally don't believe that they've got the time or resources to build up the skills in an existing employee or even take the time to find Uh, an employee who might have those skills. They believe it's inconvenient or slow. Um, But the real question is, is there really such a thing as a plug-and-play hire? Um, Even if your recruiter managed to find that purple squirrel, that perfect on paper hire, you still have to train them on your organizational culture, the team dynamics, and the internal business process in order for them to be successful. And you just might find that once they start to be incorporated into your business culture, that plug-and-play rock star that you paid top dollar for isn't really the perfect fit for your organization. And to add insult to injury, it's often the high-quality internal talent that you passed over for the job that needs to spend time and effort mentoring that new hire on how to get things done in the new org.
0: Interesting, Laura. I have a question for you as well. Um, when you hire an external rock star and you bring them in and tell them, The implication is we didn't have anybody here who could do this job. We didn't have anybody of your caliber or your point of view or this fresh, wonderful something the je ne sais quoi you're bringing to the table. Is there an ego issue here? Do they get all puffed up and say, well, I can do no wrong and come in and strutting? And and is this perhaps what what Wharton's uh, Matthew Bidwell found in his experience in his research study that external hires make about 18% more on average but end up with lower performance reviews in the first two years? Any thoughts on relating those those things together, Laura? I would say absolutely. I think there is a
4: correlation there. I think that if you puff up an individual, and we even see this internally when we find somebody that we've identified as a high potential, if you don't communicate that correctly and you give people a big head, they're going to think that they can't do wrong and they're going to overstep their bounds and they may do what you ask them to do, but how they accomplished it maybe not in keeping with your business practices. And that's where we start to see problems. And if we don't take the necessary steps to correct them early and put people on the right path, they're more likely than not going to leave.
0: Interesting. We have a lot of factors at play here. I can tell we're going to have a great discussion. Ladies, I'm going to go back to Dr. Catherine Jones and ask her the question of the day on all of our Game Changers radio shows. What's in your cup today? What are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking right after the show? And then, of course, we'll ask Raluca and Laura the same question. Catherine, what's in the cup? Uh This is my once-a-year treat because I actually figured out how many
2: calories are in my favorite drink And that is the Starbucks eggnog coffee. I realized that I should never be drinking eggnog because, oh,
0: it is a chubby, inducing
2: uh, (laughs) drink of choice. But, you know, once a year, I think it's a good one.
0: Oh, if you have that kind of self control, God bless you, Catherine Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be subscribing to it now. now I'm, I'm, temp- I'm glad that that uh, Starbucks here in my community moved a little farther away. that I don't have time to walk there today. There you go. Uh, preventative maintenance here, uh, Catherine. Is it? It's spicy. Does it have a little whipped cream on top? Come on, give us. Well, what? What else is in it? Does it uh, have nutmeg sprinkled on the top? Nutmeg, nutmeg. Yeah, I, I did
2: say. Oh, uh, no, whip No whipped cream,
0: please. And that's my, um, my concession.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I certainly
0: certainly think you're well-behaved. Thank you very much for sharing. Nobody say a <laughs> word. Reluca Druda at Tech. What are you drinking? Where are you calling from today,
3: Raluca? Uh, I'm calling from uh, Montreal.
0: Okay. What's the weather doing up there? Anything uh, cold and snowy yet, or are you still yeah.
3: pretty mild? It's, uh, today it's mild, but we've had a, a pretty cold pocket. Um, During uh, during the weekend.
0: And what are you drinking today?
3: Um, I am drinking Mexican hot chocolate. Uh, And um, that's because I I heard that one cup of uh, hot chocolate a day keeps the doctor away if the chocolate is actually dark. So.
0: Well, then we have that's a health recommendation, and I
3: appreciate
0: it. Now I can justify my hot chocolate, Mexican or otherwise. Thank you very much. I feel so much better. Laura Stiegel, what are you drinking today?
4: I am currently drinking a green tea called matcha. Uh, I recently got back from a trip to Japan, and it's everywhere there. So I brought back a bunch with me. Um, it's, again, very healthy for you. Uh, But it does take some getting used to. Um, I I had it the first time when I was at a sushi restaurant, and it's it's a powdered tea. You drink it all, leaves and all. And um, when I first made it for the first time, I I put too much in my cup, and I didn't stir it well enough. Well, a big glob of it got stuck at the bottom, and I drank it. It got stuck in my throat. And lo and behold, I immediately coughed, and it was like squeezing a bottle of green baby powder. It went everywhere, and it was terribly embarrassing. Um, Thankfully, it was only with my husband, and he thought it was hysterical, of course. Um, Of course. (laughs) The lesson learned is if you decide you want to try matcha, make sure you stir it well. Otherwise, you might have a similar experience.
0: Oh my goodness. They I was like the green uh, the the fur ball from a cat. I was going to say something about if you had somebody read the leaves as you coughed them up, but I guess it was past <laughs> the point of being readable. You know, people share the most interesting personal stories on these shows, Laura. So, thank you for doing the same. I appreciate it. We're going to take our first break. We have a very interesting conversation started here today. Our topic is Promote from Within or hire external superstars. It may be a dilemma. It may be a choice. It may be a game for a lot of companies, especially the big ones. Look inside. Do you know your people well enough to invest in promoting and hiring and training and developing them, hiring them into a new position? Because that's basically what you're doing. Or is it easier, smarter, better, more cost-effective to look outside, start combing all of that Internet recruiting that's going on, all the people on LinkedIn who are basically beckoning with their little finger? saying come here employer I'm available I'm looking but no, I'm not telling anybody a lot to think about our panel today is Dr. Catherine Jones VP at Burson by Deloitte Reluca Druda HCM analyst at Tech TEC and Laura L. Stiegel customer value consultant at SAP I'm still Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break we're going to start off with our roundtable when we come back so don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial gobble gobble Michael out <music>
1: With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality? Your organization is faced with the demands of a multi generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. hr trends with game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to hr trends with game changers
0: and our topic is promoting from within your company or hiring external superstars. Michael, I'm hearing a lot of noise in the background. It might be the studio there. So let's get started with our roundtable. We're going to kick it off with Catherine Jones at Burson by Deloitte. Catherine sent me the following among her many prolific notes before the show, and let's see. Catherine says, growing your own talent, and in quotes, everyone to make sure you note, this is in quotes, rolling your own, I only said it in quotes, has advantages. The corporate case for inbredness, and the, Catherine talks about time to get up to speed, and, and apparently research has shown that internal people are 23% faster on getting up to speed in a new role than external hires coming in fresh from the outside. You have to integrate them with the company's culture, then you have the question of learning and development expense. A lot of interesting points to bring up. Catherine Jones, why don't you start us on the roundtable, and then we will bring in really Luca and Laura into the conversation. Go ahead. Great. So we have a really interesting dilemma here, and Bonnie just outlined some
2: of those great points. So you want somebody up to speed, and we found out yet almost uh, 25% faster when you have an internal person in that getting up to speedness. But there's a couple issues here. And, uh, it may be different for different environments. Cause I'm thinking that maybe promoting within, and I'll be interested in hearing what my p- fellow panelists here think, if that's better for a steady state environment than it is for a, uh, you know, a growing, uh, changing environment. Because, you know, I've always wondered what happens to innovation if you've been, if you've been inbred in a way. Are you able to say, well, I really want to, now that I'm a leader, I want to do something radically different. And does that happen, or do you say, well, we've always done it this way, I know how to do it, I know how to succeed here, and then I'll do what I did in the past, only maybe on a bigger scale. So there is one conundrum. And then here's another thing I think that we should look at, too, and um, that's the Peter's principle, that I will get promoted to my highest level of incompetence. And that's a scary thought. But what happens if I'm maybe I'm a super uh marketeer or product project manager and i get promoted to managing something huge a whole division and i'm not very good at that but i've also left a blank where i was as a super duper uh project manager or whatever that was but i'm wondering then have we
0: got two levels of incompetence suddenly appearing
2: love to hear what my fellow fellows
0: uh think about that Thank you very much, Catherine Raluca Druda, Why don't you chime in? What are your
3: thoughts? Uh, sure. So, um, yeah, I I think that uh, with the, P- the Peter Principle, for example, um, what what tends to happen is that yes, people are promoted based on their performance in the in, in the role that they they currently hold, and uh, as Catherine points out, um, they. They are not properly evaluated for um, the future role that the company wants to provo- promote them into um, and I think there's a there's a few things happening here, but the most important one is the fact that um, in my opinion anyway uh, is that w- within each uh, work environment we we uh, tend to become fond to uh, people that work uh, well. We we become attached, and and so um, it's it's hard to be objective, and it's hard to to actually see. Wait a minute, perhaps uh, I'm taking this person away from uh, what they're doing well, and um, putting them into a into a position where they uh, they will. Uh, uh, they are very likely to uh, to fail. Interesting.
0: Laura Stegall, thoughts?
4: You know, I think, uh, you know, to the point of, of potentially two levels of, of incompetence, uh, the common issue I find that businesses uh, run into, particularly if they do not have a strong talent program, is that, we assume that just because you are functionally, functioning well at a certain level that you will do well at the next level, that if I have somebody who is a fantastic developer, that they'll be a great manager of developers. But the reality is the skills necessary, the competencies associated with that next level role are oftentimes very different. And so organizations will do well if they step back and really start to look at what is necessary for this role. And realize the fact that just because I did well at the first level doesn't mean I'm going to do well at the second. We need to do a better job of evaluating employees before we promote them or identify them as an individual we want to begin developing for a leadership role. Likewise, for that two levels of incompetence, we need to do better jobs of ensuring we have the right talent pipeline. It's not enough just to ensure we've got people lined up and ready to go to take on our leadership positions. We need to go through the process of identifying what are our key and critical roles in the businesses and who are key and critical talent individuals, finding those gaps so that when that person who is identified as an internal rock star is ready to move on, we have somebody who can step up and take that role on, not just perhaps one of their direct reports that they've been grooming, but somebody within the organization who has the right drive, the right skills to begin to be successful in that role.
0: Thank you. Uh, I want to pose a question to the entire panel on this point. How long does it take to get to know someone realistically once you bring them on board? consider that a company is new and fresh. Everybody's coming from outside originally until you build up a cadre or a core of internal people who may be promotion-ready or good promotion candidates. So how long does it take when somebody comes in to the organization to get to know them, to develop what Raluca talked about, that fondness or familiarity? Uh, Catherine talks about executives hire and promote people they feel comfortable with. What's the ramp-up time in practical terms for today, for, I don't know, any job at any any company, any industry. Catherine, you want to take a stab at that, and then I'll ask the others.
2: You know, I don't think there's a magic answer, um, and that's because at different points in people's career, whether they're just you know just starting out of college or um, uh, coming in from years of work in similar similar organizations, there's always a, a big. It depends on it depends on the the adaptability of the individual to fit into the culture um a little bit on personality you know mm-hmm. maybe i don't like this kind of culture and i'm really going to get out of there as quickly as i can um so and then if you're just starting uh so this is a skill level that you need to learn to be successful in the job that will lead you to be successful in that leadership position once you go through the ranks um you know there's just a lot of variables there Bonnie.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, you know, Catherine, I'm thinking about do you give somebody two months or six months to really settle in before you say, ah, not a good decision, let's move on. Even think about getting rid of them and we talked about mm-hmm. Bidwell's view of of the fact that more external hires seem to fail within two years than than internal promotions. Well, Luca Druda, any thoughts from your perspective
3: at tech on any time frame, any uh formula perhaps? Uh well it's it's um always a bit of dance between the individual that uh, has been hired and the company. And um, again, as, as Catherine pointed out, yeah, it depends on, on, the, on the person, how adaptable they are uh, and so on and so forth. And it also depends on the company, how um, quick they are at onboarding the, uh, the new hire and how targeted is the onboarding process. Um, and so I think that, um, if you, if you look at, at those two things, of course you cannot come necessarily with a, um, with a, with a precise time span or a precise average here. But, um, I, I would expect that, uh, if, if you're talking about, you know, uh, laying somebody off, uh, because you've just realized they're, um, uh, they're not a good fit, maybe half a year to one year. Okay, which, good. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. Okay, which, which, is a, which is a fairly long time, in my opinion. I mean, you have to give a person that kind of time in, 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 um, in order to make a decision.
0: It is. Well, that sounds like more than fair. Uh, Laura Stegall, Thoughts? I think the 6
4: to 12 mark uh, is a good starting point, but I also think that the scale has to slide depending upon the organizational level and the span of control of the individual. If we're talking about an entry-level job, you're probably going to be able to judge whether that individual is going to be a good fit both from a position standpoint and a cultural standpoint probably as early as three to six months. But if we start looking at a leader in the organization, somebody who is responsible for an entire line of business, may have multiple locations, different uh, direct reports that they need to learn to interact with, it's going to take a lot longer for them to learn the job, make the key connections within their business. And so in that case, you may be looking at a one to two year time uh, for that person to ramp up to truly start to show what they're capable of.
0: Interesting. Wide range, obviously. I want to move in a slightly different direction, but Catherine Jones, since this was our opening thread in the in the roundtable conversation, do you have anything you want to cap off with after your two co-panelists spoke about time frames? Any thoughts? Well, I
2: think that I have something to offer here that I'd like us to think about, too. And that is uh-huh. an old uh, statement that I remember seeing and being quite appalled at. And that was that people hire women into jobs that they have done before, but people hire men into jobs that they think they could do, whether they've ever done them before or not. Now, if we're looking at leadership development, and if I haven't been a leader before, but I might be able to be a good one, and I happen to be female, what is that saying? What is that doing to me?
0: What are you think? Reluca,
3: thoughts? Oh, um, yeah, It's it's... Um, this is a. It's, it's not an easy topic. About when we look at uh, women in leadership, or let's say members of uh, certain groups that haven't had the chance to uh, uh, to be decision makers for for a long time, um, I I would tend to agree with uh, with Catherine. I see um, people trusting men and um i hope i don't uh, i i 'm not over the top here uh, saying that uh, and sometimes particularly white men uh w- with certain things that are not well defined that um you know they 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 that they can master chaos let 's say much better than women mm
0: mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm looking at Catherine Jones's talking points, and there's one here I didn't get around to reading. Reluca, this will make you feel better. Uh, Lori, just hold on a second while I read this. Yeah. It, Catherine says, executives hire and promote people they feel comfortable with, often people who look most like themselves. Whether inside or outside the organization, this has led to the white male boardroom in far too many organizations. So, Reluca, I think you're in good company there. Catherine, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I I didn't want Raluca to feel too far out on that limb all by herself. We're okay. We only have listeners in about 173 countries and regions and states, so your secret is safe with us, Raluca. It's okay. (laughs) Now, Laura Stiegel, why don't you join this fray? This is getting very interesting. Laura, observations? This is, you know, there's a lot of evidence,
4: uh, you know, to that point. I think there's also a little bit of chicken and egg syndrome here, though, because, Uh, There have been studies that show that generally women are less likely to take risks or move into a space that they're not uh, necessarily experienced in. Whether that is nature or nurture is is something for our psychologists to, to debate endlessly. But some of what I think could potentially change this, in addition to, again, a diversity program, is also teaching and providing training uh, to potential female leaders that it is okay to take risks, to step outside of the comfort zone, and that failure is a teacher. And being willing to potentially make mistakes and learn from them is something that, again, women haven't traditionally been taught. So part of that, I think, needs to come into play where we start to build training programs that show women that, yes, you can step out, whether that is stretch assignments, uh, team projects that, yes, we want you to go outside of your comfort zone and show you that this is where learning really truly happens and where we can start to develop you as a leader. Good, wow, good Laura, do you think that, do you think that
2: um, people are more accepting of a male making a mistake, failing at work, and than they are of a woman failing at work?
4: You know, when I look at what I've seen from a performance trend perspective, um, I think that that has been the case in the past. But I've, uh, based on the numbers that I've been looking at, that is starting to get narrower. But uh, we have to protect that. Again, I think that if we're starting to put more emphasis on risk-positive organizations and showing our, our potential leaders that, yes, we're willing to let you make take risks, and we're not going to punish you for it <laughs> if you continue to make the same mistakes and don't learn the lesson, then we'll start to see that gap get even closer to closing, if not disappear altogether.
0: Interesting. This is Bonnie. I'm wondering if that new mantra in business, especially for entrepreneurs and startups, fail fail fast, fail often. I wonder if in, in the echelons of more established businesses, like what we're talking now, if that's a mantra that is given to men and not to women. But I rest my case. I want to go in a slightly different direction here. Raluca, I'm looking at your talking points. And thank you all three for a very provocative segment there. Uh, Raluca says, we increasingly hear that today's economic conditions and increased automation in the workplace are forcing workers to not only jump from company to company for new opportunities, but to change careers every few years. And here's her resulting comment, is with the shortening of the employee life cycle and employees switching career paths, employers are challenged by what is more doable or cheaper. Do they nurture and promote within, or do they import the rock stars? So given the nature of the way the employees are looking at employment today, Raluca is saying that that climate has changed. That's a force in and of itself, not just, I have money, I want to hire you. It's, well, do I want to work there? What am I looking for in my career? Raluca, why don't you uh, expand this, and then we will have Laura and Catherine join in. Go ahead.
3: Um, yeah, today's uh, working world, I, I uh, the, the conditions that we see in today's working working world have changed so much. I mean, uh, we are looking at uh, an employee life cycle uh, on on an average of uh, three to five years. Um, uh, This is one thing. Another thing is that workers today hear that uh, our current economy is uh, shedding certain jobs every year. So it's like leaving all these jobs behind. And um, with them, is leaving certain skill sets behind, and, and so workers have to continuously adapt and continuously learn and seek um, job opportunities that help them uh, learn new skills and um, and and move uh, perhaps to uh, to new areas of, of uh, expertise so i think employers today they they definitely have to deal with this tension on the and, and perhaps they have to think what does it mean to nurture from within uh to nur- and and promote from within if um uh, my employees on an average will be here um mm-hmm. around 5 years so yeah. It's, it's, it's what I personally see uh, see today.
0: Thank you. Laura Stiegel, thoughts?
3: You know, I, I always have to ask this
4: question. You know, when it comes to people leaving an organization and high turnover among our employees, is it that the business is having to adapt to the fact that employees leave or are employees adapting to the fact that the business policies are not uh, conducive to keeping them? And so, you know, I hear excuses from businesses a lot when it comes to building talent programs about, you know, hey, you know, we're going to put all of this investment and time and money into people that are going to turn around and leave. And the, the response you have to ask them is, well, why would they leave if they were happy? So what is exactly that is making them unhappy about your organization? People normally do not want to take up and leave unless there's a very good reason for them to do so. If we're not investing in their skills and abilities, they aren't learning, they're not growing, they're not uh, developing new uh, opportunities within the organization, they are going to look elsewhere. And the compensation component comes into play here as well. Uh, I, I forget who, who put the number out there, but you know, people can actually gain a lot more if they leave the organization and go elsewhere, that 18% versus the typical 3% merit increase. Uh, maybe we need to take a closer look at our compensation practices, and if we truly want to retain individuals, if people are growing and become valuable to our organization long term, we need to reward them accordingly so that they don't begin seeking other opportunities.
0: Great point, Katherine Jones. Point counterpoint. Agree, disagree? Oh, I agree totally that we're looking
2: at not just the retention, and we look at retention today, and we see people, um, software producers creating products that will will um, predict whether you're likely to leave or not. And we're all this attention to to fancy schmancy software when. Actually, if we just looked at our practices, as uh, Laura just suggested, and uh, are we paying people competitively? Are we giving them um, the ability to move and advance in the organization? Even if it's lateral moves that allow for new skills to be developed, as opposed to that old-fashioned concept of a career ladder that just goes up and up. Um, but we we have we have to do our homework here and make sure that we've are offering the things that Laura just said in terms of education and skill training and all that, um, and then try to figure out maybe it's a good thing when people move around. Maybe maybe it's the organizations Mm -hmm. that have to adjust to the concept of a more mobile workforce than we had in the past.
0: Good points all. I want to move into another topic because we've got 17 minutes till the end of the show. We have a lot more to discuss, so I'm looking at the discussion statements I received before the show from Laura Stiegel at SAP. I don't think we've covered the concept of generations, Gen Y, Gen X, my generation, the boomers. Yes, we're still here. We're working. We love it, and a lot of us are not going anywhere anytime soon. Yay for SAP Radio. So the question is, Laura says, there's a lot of talk about differences in hiring Gen Y. Versus Gen X versus Baby Boomers, and she adds a recurring theme is that Gen Y top talent is attracted to organizations that provide a clear career path, and development opportunities within the organization. So, Laura, why don't you expand this for us? Uh, how much should we be focusing this discussion on we've done male-female, and we've done outside and inside hires, training inside, promoting, investing, nurturing, versus bringing in rock stars. Now, let's look at the generational factor. What do you, what do you observe? Well, uh, first off, I'd like to make the argument that for our Gen
4: Xers and our baby boomers, they'd like a, ca- a clear career path, too. They simply you. just haven't been as vocal about it. The mm-hmm. Gen Y uh, group is simply being much more vocal and pickier about what roles they're willing to take on and that they want to be able to see where they're going to go in three to five years. I think much of the generation really does want to invest long-term with a single organization, but they want to be able to see that they're not going to be stuck doing the same job for the next five to ten years doing without learning anything and without growing. Uh, I think for organizations that want to start attracting top talent, not just from Gen Y, but from people that are used to getting that that higher level of development, They're going to need to start spelling that out in three- to five-year roadmaps, potentially, when someone is brought in as part of the onboarding process (laughs) to show them that we wouldn't have hired you if we didn't consider you top talent, if we didn't consider you valued. If you perform and if you accomplish the following things that we've laid out for you, This is the path we want to put you on. But in order to be able to do that, organizations need to start defining what career paths look like. And this is something that hasn't been done very well outside of perhaps some of our executive level leadership tracks. We need to start thinking about developing career paths for thought leadership as well for technical leadership, uh, strategic leadership. And if we start thinking in these paths, we're going to be a much more attractive employer, not just to Gen Y, but to
0: all top talent. Thank you very much, Catherine Jones. Thoughts? Well, that is a great point, and I so totally agree, Laura. Here's
2: another way to look at that too, and that is kids graduating from college today, uh, maybe their first, looking for their first job out of university, for example. are laden with debt in ways that they haven't been in the past uh, and may not find a job in whatever their chosen career was. So they may be taking any job they can get to start paying off their student loans. So with that in mind, then we have to think about, well, here is somebody who who either I want to groom into a job area that perhaps the person never thought of in a desperate attempt to get employment. Um, and decide if if that original skill set that the person had or the passion that the person thought they were going to um, be able to pursue in their their lifelong careers um, could fit somewhere in the organization. So there's another conundrum there, I think.
0: Thank you. Ray Luca, Druda from Tech, what do you think? Plot on the table here. Thoughts?
3: Yes. um, So uh, when we talk about Gen Y, I'd like to... um, I'd like us to, to also acknowledge the, the the youth and the fact that um as we grow older we change and life circumstances change and so um perhaps sometimes employers um may want to think of more flexible career paths for for uh, their employees and uh Again, uh, I'm I'm not talking only, I'd like to expand that into Gen Gen X and the boomers. I mean, everybody should benefit from this type of flexibility. And what would be interesting, perhaps, is if um, Career Path envisioned um, movement from one company to another. So you would have to sort of accept that perhaps employees will come and go. Um, into into your company. So um, this is this is perhaps it, again it's a lot of tension when we when we think of uh, of generations in the workforce and how to promote and how to create opportunity for for them. But um, companies have to, to adapt to these new uh, to, to to these new realities and to the fact that um, again as human beings we change. And um, we need to to move from one thing to another.
0: Thank you very much, Laura Stiegel. I want to bring up one more point we haven't covered. Uh, Michael, we're going to skip the break. I think we have a little more to converse about before we go to the predictions round. Laura, I'm looking at something else I don't think we covered before. You say the question of internal versus external tends to change regarding the business sector and the locale, region, country, part of the world. You say example is the United States has an at-will employment culture. There are exceptions, of course, union shops, but it's not the case in many companies, especially in Europe and Asia Pacific. And you added, for global organizations, a culture of developing talent from within may be more a necessity than a strategic choice. So why don't you introduce us briefly, Laura, to this concept of it depends on where your company is and where you're trying to hire. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, When you start looking outside of the U.S., and and we are truly a
4: global society these days, most organizations have components outside of their headquartered uh, uh, country. And so when we start looking outside of the U.S., uh, you know, countries like uh, Germany and Malaysia you can't simply just let go of an employee simply because they're not a good fit once you get past that probationary period. And oftentimes that probationary period, as we talked about earlier, is too short to really gain a measure of an individual's capabilities. So if you can't let go of an individual because they're not the perfect fit for the job you originally hired them for, the next step is finding another role within the organization that they will be good at and then being able to hire in the the right person or find the right person internally to take on the role that they vacated. So when we start looking at this perception, I find that a lot of businesses that uh, have operations, again, in Asia Pacific and in Europe, they do this very, very well in comparison to what we see here in the U.S. Not because it's something that they were necessarily striving for, but it was born out of necessity that they weren't able to necessarily let go of individuals that were underperforming. They had they were forced to reevaluate these individuals and determine what they were best at. And so now that culture of
0: development is very much embedded into how they they move their talent around. Thank you. Catherine Jones, quick thoughts on this and then we're we'll Luca before we go to predictions. Katherine?
2: Just a, a quick comment on that international scene. We recently did a study that looked at um, China and leadership development among the Chinese. And there, the young people, those Gen Yers, have a very, very strong expectation of two things that are a little different than that Westerners are used to. One is very rapid promotion so that both my title and my salary would change within two years. And if it, and if it isn't that fast, they'll go to another company. Mm-hmm. So we have this high mobility. And another uh, issue that has stemmed from that is then all, by the time the young person is 30 years old, 33 years old, they're, they may have wiggled through the organization to the top of, of um, a rank, but they don't have either the expertise or the skills or management skills to be at the levels they now are. And that has caused all sorts of issues when you look at trying to recruit out of uh, some of the Asian
0: countries for
2: a global leader as opposed to a
3: countrywide leader. Thank you, Catherine. Raluca, thoughts on this, please? Um, Yes. I mean, um, when when we look, again, internationally at things, um, what I find interesting is – how we adapt locally and how we adapt to um local go- goals when we recruit our uh, you know leaders and how we adapt to the overall goals um of 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 a of a company um and so i think yeah it becomes um quite the job for uh, for um uh, hr practitioners for talent management practitioners to find the precise characteristics of a leader that can um, adapt very well locally and yet relate to the overall company globally.
0: Thank you. Ladies, guess what? Time for our predictions. We've got seven minutes left till the end of the show. I'm going to be a good mommy here in divide and conquer. You each get the exact same amount. So I will I'll play, I'll play Solomon here. Catherine Jones predictions. I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Why don't you start there? And if we have any extra time, we'll do a little bonus round. Catherine, if we met again in 2020 or any year you can see clearly in your crystal ball, what do you think will be different about the trend of promoting within versus the trend of hiring external rock stars? Katherine Jones, 90 seconds, go.
2: Well, I really hope that what we'll be able to see is that we have women on boards, that we have women leaders that have either come from being promoted within or um, superstars that have been hired from industries, but just love Maybe even a woman president.
0: Who knows by then? <laughs> I said 2020. Let's see what happens. We've got, got some big stuff coming up before then. Yes, hold, don't hold your breath. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, Raluca Druda at Tech. What do you think? I'll give you – Catherine didn't use her whole 90 seconds, so you can have a little bit more of okay. those. Raluca, predictions? Go ahead.
3: Well, um, as the workplace evolves and uh, perhaps morphs into um, – a different thing than what we uh, what, what we are accustomed to um, today. So um, will probably the notion of leader and leadership. And um, regardless, if if leaders will come from within or without, I see um, these people taking leadership position and uh, as as rising and perhaps fading. More contextually, and um, I think, and I hope that leadership will be a little more connected to very, very limited and specific mandates, uh, and um, not so much to this whole idea of power, and uh, somebody overseeing everything. And that uh, I, I can, I, I, I'm predicting that leadership will sort of become more of a job, and not. Uh, so much of a, of a privilege, which um, is, which I think it's the case today, and uh, to echo Catherine, yes, more women and uh, more members of um, of minority groups
0: for the future. Thank you. Also, a good point. Thank you so much, Laura Stegall. I can give you oh a good healthy ninety seconds. You can take two minutes if you want. Well, I'll take a different
4: tack and and look at it a little bit more from an, an internal operations standpoint, um, what I'm envisioning, hopefully from an optimistic standpoint, uh, that I see businesses starting to really dissolve uh, the divisions between the HR disciplines of talent acquisition, talent management, and workforce planning, and that when a manager has a vacancy and they see that they need to fill it, rather than reaching out to talent acquisition and saying, oh, I need to open a rec, go find an individual that matches the same description as the last person in it. It's going to be more of a strategic relationship that the manager says, here is the vacancy that's been created by this individual leaving or moving on. And that they're going to sit down and evaluate what were the skills that were necessary in order to do this job? What do we have internally that can potentially fill that role? Who among your current staff could potentially take on certain tasks or abilities that were part of this role and where are you trying to go over the course of the next one to three years? So instead of necessarily just filling the role that has always existed, really looking at what is needed today, what is needed tomorrow, and then providing the manager with a consultation of sorts to say this is what we recommend you do with the resources you have, potentially tapping into our internal talent and then looking externally to fill the gaps.
0: Thank you very much. And panelists, we have just about a minute left for a bonus question. I just found a quote from, wait for it, Sheryl Sandberg and Lean In Women Work and the Will to Lead. I'm going to read the quote and I'd like an agree or disagree. That's all we have time for. So here we go. The quote is Success and likability. Are positively correlated for men and negatively correlated for women. When a man is successful, he is liked by both men and women. When a woman is successful, people of both genders like her less. This is kind of an extension of something we talked about earlier in the show. Katherine Jones, agree or disagree? Oh, I wish I could disagree, but I am afraid that that might be true. Thank you very much. Raluca Druda at Tech, what do you think? Agree or disagree? I agree. Mmm, Laura Stegall, what I do you disagree. think? Oh, tell me, quick, why do you disagree? I think it has a lot more to do with
4: how that person got to the top than necessarily why they got to the top.
0: Ah, very provocative. We know we can count on you for that. Thank you very much, panel. And guess what? I want to do some shout-outs here and some thank yous. Our topic today has been promote from within or hire external superstars. Wonderful panel of great thought leaders. Happy to have Dr. Catherine Jones at Burson by Deloitte back with us. Raluca Druda from Tech back with us. And we've met a newcomer here, a rising star, Laura L. Steagle at SAP. Thank you so much and welcome, Laura. Shout-outs to Sylvia Lennon and Stephen Thorne and Tech Tweets, who've been tweeting their tootsie's off capturing our panel's words of wisdom, and Michael at the, and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. Let's see. This is a holiday week here in the U.S., so we're going to be repeating some best-of shows for Coffee Break with Game Changers on Wednesday, and for the in, in, Internet of Things on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday. If you have nothing else to do on Thanksgiving Day, I think we have a best-of also for Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. There you go. Uh, we'll be back next week with the final episode of Season 3 of this series, A our Trends with Game Changers, wonderful show, and it will be December 1st, and that will kick off a week of new programming next week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's been a pleasure and a privilege, and I hope you all give some thought to the information we shared here today. So I'm just going to say my call to action, and those of you looking forward to Thanksgiving, I'll just say gobble gobble. You know what that means. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Well, after Thanksgiving dinner, you might have to open it a little bit. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.